Welcome. To Arcade Audio. And my name's Peyton Come on over Cause we're still waiting It's movie night And we're both gay It's hard to find A movie that way Lucky for you We found a few It's queer It's movie night Hi Hi. Welcome to queer movie night (laughs) My name's Peyton (laughs) And I'm Deb Oh and we've got a special one this episode <laughs> yes we, yes we do we have a very <laughs> special guest uh trish and i would like to uh, trish sorry <laughs> <gasps> okay so that's how we well, announce it alert. i am <laughs> our guest has taken my spot <laughs> yeah yeah they've done um, so well sorry, already Deb's, uh, last episode yeah, I'm not even mad. I just like <laughs> Trish is so cool. I'm like, I get it. Replace me. <laughs> Can you imagine if I found out that's how you you replace me as a co-host? Yeah, in, we we had our full recording. check-in. We've had our full check-in before recording, but then I tell you that actually you're not going to be on here anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, right. Deb and I would like to introduce our good friend Trish Pomar. Welcome so much. Uh, welcome. So, oh my gosh. Um, it is the morning. Just hello. so everybody knows. Yes. <laughs> Hi. It's a Sunday morning. <laughs> this is, uh, this doesn't bode well for recording episodes. Yeah. Today this is me. honestly the wonkiest <laughs> intro we've ever had for a guest. And I apologize, Trish. I, I mean, it tracks, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. She I'm said, I'm, I'm familiar with your work. <laughs> yeah. Trish is familiar. <laughs> Actually, this makes me feel uh, much more at ease. So good, good. <laughs> us, us, <laughs> massively struggling. Term. Yeah, totally. It should make you feel at ease. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were just talking about what a throwback uh, this is going to be because uh, uh, the film that we're discussing today um, is Jennifer's Body from two thousand and nine. Mm. Um, what? What a what a crazy misunderstood <laughs> film yeah not that how we're gonna say it um i am so excited to talk about this movie yeah we actually we actually like planned to discuss this earlier and and yes it got put off so it was like the episode the episode that was like sort of shelved it was supposed to happen yeah. it was supposed to be a halloween episode and then it fell through um so when trish brought this one to the table i was very excited because i am a jennifer's body stan did we say what it is yet oh sorry yeah Wait. no i did i did oh, say okay. it. yeah yeah also just want to say it i know <laughs> i know oh my gosh i was i was gonna say we also um for like context of why trish is on the podcast oh we yeah met trish in such a such a a kind of a corporate way but we just <laughs> Uh, love Trish so much and love uh, your energy and your passion and had to have you on the pod. So yes. very excited to have Absolutely. you here. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. And thank you for choosing a banger of a movie. I know. <laughs> I know. We It took, it took us a while to uh, decide what we were going to do. And then um, I was talking to Peyton earlier and saying how I was so torn up uh, not being able to classic me make a decision on what it is that I wanted to talk about because everything is problematic. Uh, everything requires a trigger warning. And then mm-hmm. I go and choose uh, Jennifer's body, which <laughs> I mean, needs needs both of, both of those things uh, clarified for sure. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, I, I, I love it. Yeah. I'm, same stand all day long. But yeah. I'm we'll so excited. Um, Trish, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about um, your experience with queer film and um, yeah, let's let's start off there and just like wh- wh- where what sort of your experience has been with queer film um, growing up and, and in your life? Oh, I forgot this was the question that you asked. I was prepared to tell you why I chose this movie. Yeah, yeah. That's the second that's the second question. Yeah, that's yeah. question okay. number two. Okay, okay. So for question number one, I mean like any, you know, self-respecting, sort of like, you know, 
uh, queer person, uh, of course, obsessed with anything popular culture, uh, obsessed with movies, um, even even the I mean, just any anything that is just uh, questionable at best, I will still watch it and watch it and watch it and watch it because we never had that much growing up. Uh, and Absolutely. even now, when when we do have a lot, uh, it's, it's it's still not it's still not great all the time, right? Or like, yeah. uh, it's it's rarely great. Um, I'm being mm-hmm. so negative. Sorry. Uh, no, no that, like, that's um, literally why this podcast exists, Trish. Yeah, because yeah. I, it, it all started because we were talking about how there were very few actually good queer films. So this whole podcast was like the point was to showcase good ones. And listen, we have covered some duds. Because at the end of the day, that also was a fact that like queer people will watch anything though at the end of the day. Yeah. Do we want good content? Yeah, of course we do. But also, yeah, I'll watch problematic loving Annabelle. That's one for you. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. <laughs> I knew you. I was like, I don't know if Peyton will know. We did I don't even know if we've ever done it, but I knew you would know. We haven't done that one. Just like yeah. Because it's horrible. It's problematic. It's about like a I teacher know. and a student. And it's like, I we're know. supposed to root for them. And it's really messed up now. But like, we watched it because there was nothing else. I know. There's nothing I else. Know. Exactly. Exactly. So you're not, um, you're not saying negative things. These are facts. No, no, no. These are facts. These are facts. And, and, you know, yes, like you said, we want good queer content, but in lieu of having it, we'll just obsess over whatever you dish up for us <laughs> so uh yeah i mean i i do also have a background in uh, sort of uh, queer theory uh like i i did my postgrad in queer theory and one of the things that i uh sort of uh, was drawn to was uh was film um so yeah i mean i'm not gonna bore you with my <laughs> with my essays on lesbian vampires etc <sighs> okay that is the opposite <laughs> horror horror and uh, queer horror i mean all horror is queer and all yeah queerness yeah oh. <laughs> have you um, <laughs> yeah. uh that reminds me have you uh do you are you familiar with shutter at all the yes the stream have you watched their uh queer for fear uh series i don't think i have no oh they have like i have a, to check it out yeah it's yeah, like a what sh- it's like a short documentary series um and it's like basically covering it's sort of an overview of uh queer influences and queer filmmakers in the horror genre. Um, it's really fun. I hope that they do another season because I really enjoyed it. Um, especially because um one of the episodes discusses uh the filmmaker who created Frankenstein, who I didn't realize was queer. Um, so it was a very cool uh shout out and uh, just a lot of cool people on there too, uh, talking about queer uh, and horror. I love me and Deb love horror too. So. I'm making these faces because I did not know this existed because <laughs> I love yeah. horror. Yeah, what the it's hell? Really, really good. Yeah. I did have Shutter for like two months and then realized I didn't use it enough, and then yeah, I got rid yeah. of it. You have Is to it... like really be in the mood to watch horror movies like a lot. Twenty four seven. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Truly, yeah. But they do have some great uh, documentary documentary stuff on there too. Wow, excellent plug, Peyton. Thank you. I'll have to check yeah. it out for sure. Yeah. If you, uh, <laughs> if anyone listening works for Shutter, uh, sponsor us. I'll plug you away. <gasps> oh yes, please, please. <laughs> um, back to uh, back to Jennifer's body, uh, Trish. Uh, talk to us about uh, your experience with this film. How did you first discover it and why uh, did you bring this in to talk about today? I mean, to be fair, I loved it from the first time I watched it back in 09. I did watch it back in the day. And I know most people thought of it at the time. I remember just reading like the reviews and everything. And it was like both commercially and sort of critically was considered a flop. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I mean, yes, uh, when you, you know, of course, I love that it is just like, a perfect example from today's sort of queer feminist lens of a movie that subverts many of the sort of slasher tropes, um, rejection of toxic heterosexuality and sort of normative heteronormativity and uh, relegating men to black background characters. We love that. Uh, <laughs> uh, complicating the roles of victim and villain, all those, all those things, right? But if I'm being completely honest with you two, I think I'm a little bit of a glutton for punishment. To me, the movie really resonated at the time. And because I was, and I guess to a degree, I still am 
super deeply traumatized and wounded by intense, very obsessive, quote unquote, friendships uh, <laughs> with, oh. with girls. So, so hey, hell, hell, hell is a, hell is a bi curious girl, and I. Thought, <laughs> and yeah. I and I know this is a problematic term. This is a problematic term, so I should I should rephrase that. I should rephrase okay, but that. it's it's fitting for the time frame of what yeah, this movie, exactly, this film. Exactly. I should rephrase that and say, you know, <laughs> hell, hell is a, hell is a uh, a woman who's experiencing and exploring her sexuality, but has a lot of internalized uh, homophobia. That doesn't have quite the same rank as uh hell is up by curious girl but yeah. you know um, so yeah i think my relationship with the movie is one of like um identification with uh needy and i am actually very needy myself too <laughs> surprise surprise <laughs> so yes yeah, so i do i do yeah i still watch it and i still go like oh my god yeah uh, it tracks. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I don't know if that was an answer or not. But... No, no, it's <laughs> that's great. And also deeply relatable. I feel like a lot of queer people have this experience, so it's extremely relatable. I think we can all have someone in mind <laughs> from high school, probably. Uh, yeah. We've all had one. Um, no, I love yeah. that. What? So, do you or do you watch it regularly now? Would you say so- it's one of your favorite queer queer films because also a, a, an interesting like a talking point that I wanted to ask you is like do you consider this a queer film because I think generally now years later it mm-hmm. is but mm-hmm. some people don't I 1 billion percent consider this a queer movie uh the main the everything else around it is an excuse for the tension between Jennifer and Needy um, mm-hmm. every single like uh you know there are there's so much uh there's so much symbolism uh there are so many scenes that i can dissect uh from a queer lens there are so many metaphors for their queer love um and desire and identity and uh, to me everything else is just um it's just background, or as Jennifer says in one of the deleted scenes about the boys, uh-huh. in the movie, they're just placeholders. We'll get to that, I'm sure. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just everything else is just it's just noise. Uh, so to me, it is absolutely 100% a queer movie. Um, of course, I know that um, I do feel slightly vindicated now that it's been sort of reclaimed and has gained somewhat of a Cold status, I suppose. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it is obviously with the help of its uh, queer fan base, uh, but also uh, in light of the uh, Me Too movement as well. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I I love the fact that it's been um, now added to the canon, uh, particularly the queer canon uh, in film. Um, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And like... Um... I think a big problem with I I had not I I did not see Jennifer's body until later in life. Um, I'm not because uh, well I'm not sure why I didn't see it when it initially came out, but I think part of the reason why I held off on watching it for so long was that it got such a bad reputation. Um, and I think a big part of that, obviously, like I've read behind the scenes stuff and things like that about like the marketing and things like that. Mm -hmm. Like this movie was very, very badly marketed, like not to the, not to the audience that it was obviously made for. It was marketed to like young teen boys and like, Mm -hmm for male gaze type of thing campaign. And it totally is dissonant from the actual experience of the film, which is completely from like a female gaze, a, uh, a definitely a female perspective. Um, and it's, it's satirical. It's, it's like dark humor. It's, I, it's completely different from, it's not like a teen sex horror like like they were promoting it as. It's it's definitely more nuanced than that. Um, yeah. And a lot more queer than you would expect. I remember um the the queer kiss being like being uh sort of ridiculed and like and criticized as like sort of 
bait for like straight the straight male gaze and that type of thing but when you watch that scene like that's not the experience that you have at all in viewing it um so i think that this movie has really been tarnished by that Mm. by that marketing campaign um and maybe the time and maybe like when it came out like Mm. if it had come out a little bit later or a little more um it, it would have been more well received, but I think it's definitely finding its audience now um, and obviously leading to conversations like this one. I, I, I 100% agree. I think, yeah. honestly, I think it was ahead of its time in so yeah. many ways. Uh, and yes, you're absolutely right. I, I the, the trailers and everything else, uh, like the marketing campaigns were very much targeting teenage boys and like, Surprise, surprise, they didn't care for the campy dialogue and the campy nature of the movie or or like the sexual violence allegory or like the queer coding of their friendship. It didn't resonate with teenage, cisgender, teenage boys. Um, Especially the the depictions of men in this film are, Mm -hmm. I think, very negative across the board. Like even the, even Chip, I think, is pretty, is is not a great guy at least in my eyes so chip I think is the worst yeah <laughs> i hate chip this is an annoying little twerp just like fuck off <laughs> it's 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 funny that um uh, yeah i i mean i actually don't mind chip uh yeah. in a way i, I mean i, I get he's, I get ha- where he's harmless but I, like i yeah. get where you're coming from I but I I, I I a lot of people i know that a lot of people are like oh if she if needy if needa if needy hadn't had a boyfriend if uh it, her, her queerness would have been a lot more apparent and i'm like no 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 the fact that needy had a boyfriend and the boyfriend Makes was him. was yeah. ch- was chip and he's actually you can argue that he is quite like you know there's nothing really that problematic about him. He's not, he's not a douchebag. He's not like overpowering. Uh, He's a bit annoying in in, like certain scenes and whatever, but he, and he's a product of his generation. Um, But he is like someone you could even sort of root for and feel sorry for. So I actually feel that the fact that she was given a boyfriend and the boyfriend was Chip kind of makes her queerness even more apparent right especially if you think about their that scene that sex scene between the two of them which to be honest is the most horrific thing of the whole movie right almost yeah. <laughs> um yeah. so i i actually feel that to me it enhances just how queer uh needy is and how in love with jennifer she is right totally agree be- especially because if you watch I love that you see her and Chip's sex scene before you see her kiss with Jennifer because mm. you up see against the difference each other, in chemistry, yeah. the difference in chemistry, the difference in passion, the difference in like desire. And yeah. they it's, and mm. it's just a kiss between Jennifer and needy, but it's yeah. like, it's, she becomes a totally different person with her. Yeah. And it, it's so awkward with Chip. She's so which, like, disinterested in Chip. Yeah. yeah. She's like, yeah, okay, I, yeah. I liked, I liked that. I feel like that yeah. it, it was like in my mine purposely done for yeah. that reason to yeah yeah because i of course like and and plot wise everything that ever everything needy does is driven by she's doing for jennifer or in response to jennifer or for the benefit like like even though she's trying to stop jennifer from killing people she's more worried about like about like saving her friend than she is like I don't know. I, it seems like she's more active when it comes to Jennifer than she is with Chip. And I think that's another uh, sort of, I think, um, inversion of like the typical horror movie trope where like the lead character guy might have like a girlfriend. Chip kind of falls into that like girlfriend mold, mold of like doesn't really have that much going on for them. They're just sort of there to be like the love interest to the lead character. That's sort of how I see him. Mm-hmm. Um, where where um, Needy and um, Jennifer have a much more interesting, nuanced, and like complicated relationship with each other that's more interesting to watch. And, and there's something about 
just like their innate connection, like the 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 way that like needy can sense where Jennifer always is. She can always yes. tell when Jennifer's at her house. The even near the end of the film, when Jennifer is seducing Chip, she <laughs> needy can feel her kissing him. Like she can feels a sensation on her lips that Jennifer is like kissing Chip. It's crazy. Mm, um, yeah. So there's like this sort of like otherworldly soulmate type of like narrative mm. going on mm. with her and Jennifer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not even yeah. talking about this the the kiss scene where they do have this insane chemistry. And you can tell like between the two actresses, like that, and even like in the context of the film, like that needy is like responding to the kiss. She's also giving into it. Like mm-hmm. it's yeah. obvious that there's desire on both sides. Um on, on the other foot, even Jennifer's doing things for the benefit of uh needy like after she is um is attacked and killed and then comes back she, her first immediate thing is to go find needy like mm-hmm. she she wants to when needy or at least my reading of the film is like when when needy like rejects her and likes uh, and is um worried about her she goes to ch- she goes after Chip because obviously that's the person that is going to hurt Needy the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I, um, I, I, on the other hand, Needy and Chip remind me a lot of like two gay people that date in high school because <laughs> they feel like they have to be straight. <laughs> Honestly, that that that's the the, the 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 sex scene to me is just highlighting highlighting compulsory heterosexuality, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is like there was no enjoyment and then the, the, the psychic connection that you mentioned between Jennifer and Needy, uh, it always points, obviously points to the fact that they, there is a much more intimate and profound connection that goes beyond, transcends any kind of conventional friendship. And to me, it's kind of like symbolic um, or, or it's meant to represent the the fact that they have this shared marginalized identity, right? Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the queerness between them, um, and yes, and I and you know when she, uh, it is it is quite um, when you're talking about some of the scenes when um, you're, you're mentioning that she goes uh, to find the first thing she does is going to to find needy. Um, I think it is actually quite um, quite telling as well that she there is that moment when um you think that jennifer is going to in the house at night right after Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know she she breaks in and whatever there is a moment when you think that she's going to attack needy jennifer is going to attack needy and and she doesn't um and she doesn't because she knows that it kind of would be destructive right uh, mm-hmm. at that point in time uh, but Needy doesn't even freak out right like Needy despite how horrible uh, Jennifer looks and covered in blood and everything else she doesn't like recoil or freak out it's like it's almost like it's, 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 it's happened before right yeah. it's like yeah it's even like something that catches, catches her off guard true okay also I'm gonna say even with how like gross Jennifer looks covered in like black bile and blood when she (laughs) when she like pushes needy up against the wall and like does that whole thing I was like this is so hot even with her looking (laughs) she did I mean it's like needy says like you know hideous for Jennifer right for Jennifer yeah (laughs) um can we like uh it's just uh Sorry, I we're probably I don't know if we want to jump like uh, or go chronological or or what. But um, to me, one of my favorite uh, things is uh, one of the opening scenes, um, um, which sets the tone for like the whole movie. And to me, it's just like you know, from like very early on, telling you this is a queer, this is this is a queer story, or at least one person here. I mean, I do think that it's a, it's a queer sort of relationship, mm-hmm. but at least. One person has a very big crush on another person. I love when um, they're watching Jennifer perform uh, and one of the friends is like, you're totally lesbian gay. 
Yeah. <laughs> but it's not only it's not only that is that as as Again, there are so many little Tuna. subtleties. I mean, it's not it's not subtle. It's quite on the nose yeah. if you pay attention. But like <laughs> when she talks about uh, sand love never dies, right? Like yeah, sandbox she, love. Yeah, sandbox love never dies. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, and she's she's saying that and, and talking about their connection and everything else. And I don't know if you noticed, but the song that plays over it is the Black Kids. I'm not going to teach your boyfriend how to dance with you. Yes, and yes. The lyrics, the lyrics to it go. You are uh, the lyrics to it uh, say you are the girl that I've been dreaming of ever since I was a little girl. And those lyrics are playing as she's talking about sandbox. Whoa! I know, right? Nice so, catch, Trish. I know. I, I I have watched it. Yeah, there's. Times. No, I love that. I love that. <laughs> so there that's why so from very on, early on yeah. in the movie, uh, they're telling us this is this is a you know this is a, is a girl who's dreaming about this other girl and she's been dreaming um, of her ever since she was a little girl, right? Mm-hmm. I'm interested because you earlier. Uh, first of all, yes. Like, there's so many. There's so much. Every time I watch this movie, there's more like textual evidence in it that the that it is a queer relationship. And like, because I think the first time I watched this movie, I was like, yeah, I don't I I can see like the queerness, but I don't know if it's like I don't know if I would exactly call it a queer film. But every time I rewatch it, I think there is more and more textual evidence to it just like from the way that they talk about it, like the fact that she calls it sandbox love instead of like friendship is really telling to me. There's a lot of moments that are like that, but also, um, what was I going to say? Um, I can't remember. <laughs> no, I think, I think you're right. I think it's, got, I think, I think you get distracted by the sort of like, uh, the humor in it, even though mm-hmm. it is a horror movie, the, the the humor in it you get distracted by the stylization you get distracted by the campiness you get distracted by like the 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 you know witty you know uh one-liners and like the pop culture references and you don't necessarily sometimes you actually have to watch like a scene several times to go like what what was that comment like hang on because there are things that you miss but i think it's there are so many like if they didn't do it on purpose I, I, I mean, I, I don't know how you don't do it on purpose. Like there yeah, are like yeah. every scene, every scene that you watch, you can see something that is like so gay. Like even when they're watching, <laughs> when they're watching the band perform, right? The the night of the fire, and mm-hmm. they're like holding and they're holding hands, Jennifer mm-hmm. and 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 Needy. And is it to me is and this is you you have to uh, just go go with it but <laughs> it's when you when you're like uh, is that classic sort of like um homoerotic desire that can be sometimes expressed um that can underlie i suppose teenage exi- excitement during concerts like i know collectively the teen girl sort of hysteria or that sort of frenzied behavior um is supposedly directed at an object of attention that could be the member of a boy band, but that excitement between the two best friends or a group of girls can be pretty homoerotic, at least homoerotically charged. So that's how mm-hmm. I read that scene, right? And then it's almost like Jennifer realizes, and then let's go of the she just lets go of the hand like way too quickly and sort of abruptly mm-hmm. and like yep. to the point that it that needy just like notices right and, and and it's a little bit put off by it mm-hmm. um one time <laughs> in high school i held hands with a with a friend during a another friend's symphony concert and we fell asleep <laughs> we fell asleep in the back of the theater and Hold we were hands. holding hands for like an hour <laughs> you ever think about stuff like that now and you're like Hmm. Yeah. That's weird. But no, obviously nothing in the moment happened. But I think back on that, I'm like, does she remember this? Because it's like somebody I haven't seen in, you know, 13 years. Like, does she remember how odd that was? Or like thinking about things that you did like that? Um, I I exactly I was gonna say I uh, totally agree with what you said, Peyton. I, I watched this later in life. I didn't watch it at the time, did graduate in 2009. Very topical. My God, it feels like I'm <laughs> watching a reflection of my high school life on TV. You know what I mean? Um, 
it was a specific time, a problematic time where the R word and F word are flying off the shelves. So that's that is like the little bit of a warning for this movie. But also, yeah. if if I feel like this the demo of this podcast, every, everybody knows. I will that say during yeah. that time that this is like this was a way of speaking, and also this was like a common language in yeah. like teen movies like this. Yeah. At the time, I will say I will say when it comes to like diablo cody i don't think that she uses those words lightly like i don't i i yeah it was very popular to hear those words around this time in film but i do think that like she's not saying that it's okay to use those words i think she uses them in like in like a satirical way and sort of like i i'm i could that's be wrong point. but but i no, think that she's trying to show like because i this film especially and like in this rewatch it made me think a lot about this um reminds me a lot of heathers where there's Mm. like it's also like sort of a commentary on like society and like high school culture and things like that especially with the connection to the band um because in heathers they have that one band that's that has a try suicide or or do I can't teen suicide let's do it or something it reminds me a lot about that um like this like this hyper fixation with like trauma and like young teens and sexuality I, I I think that there is like it is part of the satire but it's also difficult because like it's so campy you can't really tell like yeah if that's it's, a good point if it's like um encouraging you to use that language or not yeah well actually that wasn't even what i was gonna say so yeah. <laughs> i guess i made a different point than i was intending to make uh, but <laughs> the gist of what i was gonna say to go back to what we were talking about before is that i didn't see this even though i saw it later in life oh, right i didn't see it as a is as truly like a queer film at its core mm-hmm. initially i was like oh it's just you know 2009 and they had the two hot leads, Megan Fox at the time, especially like mm-hmm. make out. Now that I watch it, I'm like, how on earth could I have it? Could I watch it with that lens? To me, it's like, it's so queer. It's so a part of the, the the entire story. It's a through line of the whole film. Exactly what you said, Trish, in the first scene when, she, when, when Needy is watching her perform and like, I, it's, it's all so intentional. And now I can't not see it as a queer film. It, and it's, I, it's like in it, even though it is so campy and like really off the rails and it's funny and whatnot, it also, there is like a love there. And I think it like needy and Jennifer, I think were written with like love in mind, like with care, right. like their relationship was written genuinely mm-hmm. and yeah. across. Yeah. I love this movie. I love this movie. Yeah. This is like my fourth or fifth time watching it. And I literally I, love it. I don't care to admit how many times I've seen it. Um, and it's funny <laughs> as hell. I like it funny. the entire time. It is. And for, for a movie that actually deals with pretty heavy uh, subject matter, like, you know, we were alluded to it initially, uh, you know, all of the commodification and objectification of women, of course, is the... Um, the sacrificing. So the, the, the sacrificing, which, of course, standing for is something... Um, you know, uh, for, uh, you know, uh, abuse, uh, and, and, you know, um, but I think, uh, the, uh, it, it, it does the, the, the language, as you mentioned, Peyton, um, Cody's kind of like, uh, quirky, stylized, witty, campy banter, uh, <laughs> snappy one-liners, this line, which I know sometimes was a bit, uh, she, she took a, bit of liberty with like what actually what, what people would actually say and things right. that she made up like did people actually say that um but um <laughs> but i think that kind of like uh makes it a little bit i suppose i don't want to say palatable but it does it does kind of like sometimes um you you as i was saying you you miss a lot of it because it is filmed in that kind of tone right mm-hmm. uh, so you and, Sort yeah, of, yeah, and and and, so, and and the way that the characters speak and and how 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 you know almost like you like I said you have to play scenes several times sometimes to go like what what did she say there what what was that uh, so you do miss uh, quite a quite a few things I don't know if you notice actually like when the kiss which again to me is not even 
the gayest thing in the movie. Like you could, like, <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it. But very good you, kiss. I mean, don't even. Yes, I. It's good. I think but, one of yeah. the one of the one of my favorite lines and one of the gay gayest parts of the movies is when. Jennifer asks Needy if she got the box cutter at Home Depot and how butch that oh is. Of her. I know, I know. I have, I have a whole, I have a whole reading. I have a whole very extra reading for that last scene. Yeah. Uh, but but before we get to that, even when yeah. we're talking about the kiss, uh, when when uh, I think is when Needy pulls away or whatever, and Jennifer's like, "But well, we always share your bet when we have slumber parties." Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um, like it, it, when I first watched it, I didn't even like clock it, and then it's like, "Did she just say that?" Uh, let's watch that again. So again, he points to, and she says I something. She says something like "playhouse" or something. Like I know, that I know. she and Needy used to play husband and wife, or like used to yes. play house or something. Yes. Yeah. And I and I just think you just lose so much of it because he's is is delivered which with a such expert you know kind of like uh, you know campness. I, I mm-hmm. just cannot call it anything else. It's just like and all the pop, popular culture references and all of that. And I just think uh, you you have to watch it a few times and to really pay attention. And I know the kiss uh, since we're talking about it. Um, I know some people see it as a. As a, as a another, just another example of the seductive powers of the succubus, because that's what Jennifer is supposed to be, right? She's supposed to be right. a succubus. Realize we never did a a breakdown of the movie plot. Oh my! <laughs> this might be the first episode in queer movie night history where we didn't do it, and I think it's because I was personally so excited to just talk about this movie. <laughs> yes, yes, but well, yes, continue your point. No, no, no. The I after, think, I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Usually, we get, people watch the movie before, <laughs> so it'll be fine. Yeah. Otherwise, you can just uh, edit it in. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, when um, what was I saying? One uh, when uh, oh yeah, so a lot of the times, succubus. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what she's supposed to be. She's supposed to be a succubus, uh, which you know, so here for it. <laughs> uh, but, um, I know a lot of people have had issues with the kiss, uh, saying that it, it could be seen as problematic because uh, she could be under the literal spell of the succubus. Uh, when I say she, I mean needy. Uh, however, when I watch it, the tone of that scene is so markedly different to uh, to Jennifer's other sort of sexual encounters when mm-hmm. she literally lures men in. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing on their sexual fantasies and their object objectification of her, and she uses that to her advantage, right? Uh, plus, also, if we're going to be literal, she had just fed on the emo boy, so I don't. Yeah, think she wasn't hungry. She, need, yeah. it, she wasn't hungry for that type <laughs> of uh, act, right? Yeah. Like she wasn't literally hungry. She was just. I read it as a genuine sort of seduction scene between the two of them and and, and collaborative. It's not like Jennifer just uh, aggressively, uh, you know, goes after needy is they're just, it's something that they've done before during their slumber parties. She even says, want to play boyfriend and girlfriend like usual? Yeah. yeah. I don't remember Um, exactly. I didn't write that quote down, but yeah. 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 I know. I totally agree with you, Trish. I, it's, I don't think it's like Jennifer's alter ego who's like seducing needy how she seduces all of the men. To me, it's like, Oh no, the succubus got what she needed, kills all the men feeds. And then is like, now I'm going to go home to my wife. Yep. Exactly. (laughs) And And actually, no, I was going to say also to support your point, going back to that scene in the opening before Megan Fox even has the succubus powers, you can see that, that needy is enamored with her. Like when she's watching her do the cheerleader thing. Yeah. You can Mm -hmm. see that if she was going to start making out with her, she would respond in the same way. Yes. I, I think the film supports that reading of it because like there, there is no, there's no visual or textual indication to show that, that needy is under some like otherworldly influence in that scene no. at all. No. Mm-hmm. And and also if if I, I ha- when I first watched it, like I said, I, I identified with needy. Um mm-hmm. still I still do. <laughs> PTSD. <laughs> um but um but I I the the more times that I've watched it, uh I I do believe that Jennifer does feel 
towards needy probably um the same kind of attraction and love but perhaps her internalized homophobia is stronger right and right. Uh, mm-hmm. and so she feels like she has to plus this the whole you know high school social status they're 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 very different yeah one is queen b the other one is like the little nerd uh mm-hmm. but i just feel um if we're talking about and you have to again go with me on this one but um <laughs> if we're talking about all like the i'll clears, go with you anywhere Trey. okay yeah huh? <laughs> if, we, if we talk about like all the all the metaphors in in the movie there is um again when i first watched it i thought okay i kind of see where you're trying to do here with like the male gaze and subverting some elements of it you know the scene when she goes and swims in the lake mm-hmm. uh, and and this to me is one of the scenes that now after watching it several times and really thinking about all the elements of the movie that to me is like Jennifer kind of (laughs) diving into her queerness. Right. It's like, it's like, it's like she's, uh, she's accepting, embracing her authentic desires. Uh, Mm -hmm. She's shedding all the societal expectations and finding empowerment in expressing who she truly is. Right. So it's uh, she she immerses into her authentic desires. Like I said, it's it's kind of like self-realization, liberation um, and and kind of accepting that queerness. And then the the other scenes that follow um, are a lot more in dialogue and action, a lot more overtly queer. Right. Also, the obvious line right in the very end when she says, I go both ways. I know, right? I love that. She literally says that at one point. Um, Also, do you have a tampon? Sorry to say, is like, to me, the funniest joke in the entire movie. (laughs) And it makes me laugh. The Sada'd ask. For a tampon to plug a gaping hole in her torso. <laughs> I didn't even write that one down. Megan, Megan Fox is so good in this movie. She is so good. Yeah. So good. So good. <laughs> I uh, Honestly, also, like, I don't want to talk about, like, necessarily, like, uh, personal shit that was going on for Megan right, Fox yeah. at the time or anything like mm-hmm. that. I think we can leave all of that um, and not even, you know, consider yeah. it here. But that line of course i go both both ways at the time i was like because she was like one of the poster girls for like bisexuality right so (laughs) so it is it is kind of like tongue-in-cheek i feel it's kind of like yes it's about jennifer like actually verbalizing her queerness but it's also about megan Megan fox Fox. yeah sort of going yes i am this person Mm -hmm. so what right I was talking about this movie with someone last night and they were like, it really was like Megan Fox and Angelina Jolie who were like the poster, <laughs> like I yeah. like actresses or like figures that for like bisexuality and yeah, Megan Fox is, you know, she's gone through a lot, but um, just recently, like in the last year, didn't she talk about the impacts and how much she like loves the, yes. the how much the queer community has embraced Jennifer's mm-hmm. body and that it's always been a queer film to her and that yeah. she like I yeah oh, I love it I actually have the quote here when she said that I I found that sorry I'm a bit extra no I love it no, uh, please share yeah. you're doing she more says, than than we do <laughs> <laughs> sorry uh she says I'm coming I, for my job for real oh, shut up <laughs> she, she says uh, uh I forgot now where it was but she this is the quote that she says i cannot tell you how many girls from 30 down into their teens come up to me and are like i realized i was gay because of you or i felt comfortable coming out because of you because of jennifer's body uh, jennifer's body and the interviews i did about being bisexual before it was cool um, and then there's something else that Cody has said, because I know that and, and this could be obviously because of the time that they, they never necessarily came out and said, yes, it's a queer movie or, you know, this, this, it is about a queer relationship, um, as well as, of course, we're, we're not focusing on everything else that the movie does in terms of like uh, gender and empowerment and, you know, flipping the script. Uh, but um this is a queer movie podcast, so we're focusing on the yeah. queerness. Uh, but Cody as well said somewhat recently in the last definitely four or five years, uh, she said, I always thought Needy was genuinely in love with Jennifer. 
So, mm, yeah. but we didn't have this like context, right? Up, up until like recently, yeah. uh, we just right. had like the symbolism, the metaphors and, and everything that we read into it. That reminds but you me know what doesn't come off that obscure. The more you watch it, the more you watch it, you're like, this is right in front of our faces. They're telling yeah. us from the get go. Well, that's yeah. what I was about to say. Like that, that's what I was going to say earlier. And I forgot is that I feel like this movie put as much into context into the text and into the filming of it to tell us what it was about for what they were allowed to do maybe at the time or like what the what the studio like thought was going to be acceptable and Mm -hmm. that's i was going to ask because i've never seen any of the deleted scenes i was going to ask you trish what if Uh there was anything in the deleted scenes that illuminated it a little more or or went further oh Yes, there is. <laughs> uh, there is. Uh, there is a deleted scene uh, in particular, right? Uh, which is, I, I, the others are just a bit like I can see why they removed them. Mm-hmm. But to me, there's one that it is, that is quite telling, and I can see why they would have. Uh, it was a bit. I, I suppose it solidified For a, a mainstream lot. film. Yeah. Yeah, I think it solidified a lot of the um, a lot of the readings of the movie. Mm-hmm. If you keep if you keep this scene into it because of the dialogue itself. So, in my favorite deleted scene, uh, Needy confronts Jennifer about her killings. Um, I think it's supposed to take place. You know, when Needy finds out about the demonic possession in mm-hmm. the library. Uh, which, by the way, is very uh, Buffy-like. Yeah, <laughs> so I totally. She was like nerding out in the in the library <laughs> and uh, finding out about demons, as you do. Um, yeah. And then there's an occult then, section. It's very small. There's an occult section yeah. in the library. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, after, right after, I think it is. Uh, there's like a cup. There's like a second of that uh, of that sort of library uh, montage that they kept, and I so that helped me place the next scene so i think the scene happens right after that and she the scene opens with a needy walking through a locker room scene uh filled with steam (laughs) and naked girls (laughs) uh somewhat it doesn't actually it it doesn't actually it uses that trope but it doesn't feel like it's objectifying in any Mm -hmm. way it feels it feels like she's just walking through and it's just comfortable and then she goes into a separate section of the locker room, I guess, and she confronts Jennifer. And the conversation between them goes as follows. Needy mm-hmm. says, you're killing people. And Jennifer goes, no, I'm killing boys. Boys are just placeholders. They come and they go. And Needy says, you're my best friend and I want to help you, but I won't let you kill again. And Jennifer says, that's a lose-lose. So to me... <laughs> Is again like from a queer feminist perspective, it it, it critiques um, the heteronormative narrative, right? That usually centers the male characters and their desires. They are just you know placeholders, and they are uh, the, the female characters are the actual active participants rather than the passive objects. But it also uh, negates uh, that Jennifer has had any real attraction or deep connection with any man to me Mm, right mm -hmm, it's like it challenges uh the idea that desire is just limited to that sort of conventional conventional heterosexual relationship they're just yeah yeah, whatever right like yes is her the way that jennifer talks and uh, it it is is pointing towards like her bisexuality but the connection that she the true real connection that she really has is with with needy uh and it's not a obviously a, a heterosexual connection so i I, I feel that that scene being cut is pretty is a pretty significant decision. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think it, it would yeah. have been too on the nose because it is verbalized. It's not just symbolic or or you know metaphorical or just this little element here, this little element there. It's just mm-hmm. it's, it's being verbalized, right? Yeah, and, I, f- yeah I feel oh. like that dialogue. The I'm not or you're you're killing people and then she said i'm not killing people i'm killing boys i feel like that was used in the trailer or something it's like something that i know but it wasn't in the movie yes and you know where it was used as well and this is i mean this is me nerding out but i do <laughs> i do love halsey you know halsey the, of mm-hmm. course you know halsey. yeah 
they they obviously ident- they identify as bisexual and non-binary, uh, mm-hmm. and they have obviously professed their love for Jennifer's body. They even dress <laughs> as uh, dress as Jennifer for Halloween uh, a few years ago. Nice. But in uh, one of their songs in their album uh, Maniac, uh, the song um, is called Killing Boys, and the opening uh, the the opening to the song is the dialogue between Nidhi <laughs> and Jennifer. So fun. I love and it is that. exactly, and it, and it is the song is all about rejecting kind of like any sort of patriarchal norm and asserting your independence. And if you're gonna get uh, even more nerdy about it, the song on the album. Sorry, I said maniac and I meant manic. Uh, the song on the album manic follows another song uh, called Alanis's interlude, which features Alanis Morissette, another <laughs> bisexual icon. And it's a very exp- it's very explicitly queer that song. Uh, I mean, it has lines like "Your pussy is a wonderland," so uh, <laughs> oh you God. can cut that out if you want. But, uh, no, I'm, my mind is blown. Um, this is just I like know. a gay web that you're exactly. weaving here. So this is my my queer web of uh, interconnectedness, like uh, your average uh, Alice Piazeki. Uh But yeah, so uh, <laughs> it, it further further highlights the queer legacy, uh, the queer legacy of the it's movie. The right? chart. Yeah. The chart of queerness. <laughs> the the chart. <laughs> Sorry. I love it. I so love it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I freaked out when she added uh, when they added that dialogue to um, to their song. It was um, yeah, it's love fun. that. Yeah. One um, one thing I want to discuss before we wrap up is the the ending of the movie. Um, uh, it's probably one of my favorite uh endings to a film um because we get this like resolution of like um needy enacting revenge on the 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 men who have have done this thing to her friend and and forced her forced her to lose her friend i think it it's it's kind of interesting that it kind of wraps within the credits but i i the its inclusion in the movie really makes it like the perfect like film for me because it i i feel like so vindicated that that those people got what they deserved and they 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 didn't just like succeed off of off of um you know uh jennifer's trauma um and and it also like reiterates for me the the inversion of this film of of taking um, horror slashers, which is usually about men enacting violence on women, and and this film, which is about a woman enacting violence on all of the Ooh. men in her life, which um, I think makes it a true feminist classic. Love it. Yeah. yeah. Love it. I love the ending. Also, I love um, that in a way gen- that because we find out that Needy has some Oh, yeah. powers, some demonic yeah, powers yeah. that she is still connected to, to Jennifer yeah. forever. Like yeah. Jennifer might be go- like maybe gone, but like Jennifer is technically a part of her for mm-hmm. life. Yeah. God, that's gay. And I love that. And I love <laughs> that we do like, we do know she is going to go kill that band, which by the way, whoever wrote the song. Oh, it's been stuck in my head. <laughs> because that song is so real sounding. It sounds yeah. like every Switchfoot song yeah. from that time. If anyone ever listens to Switch, you know the song, Dare You to Move, Dare You to Did nobody know? Okay, somebody who's listening to this who grew up in church because they were like a crossover <laughs> pop slash Christian band. All of their songs sounded like this song. And the song was so catchy and sounded like a real song. That would actually be very popular in 2009. I hate this fucking song. Yeah. I thought you I were actually okay. talking about, sorry, I thought you were talking about uh, the whole song that plays at the end, uh, Violet. Violet. Oh, no, I'm talking about the Adam Brody's terrible okay. band song mm-hmm. that is okay. actually very catchy. Also wanted to do like a quick shout out to how randomly stacked this cast is. Uh, <laughs> Amy Sedaris popping in as yeah, Needy's mom. mom. A.K. Simmons popping in as a teacher. Like uh, Chris Pratt, very problematic oh. character right out the gate in the first 10 <laughs> minutes of the film. Yeah, I, I love how like, weird kind of the cast is 
it's like a weird misfit of people who are all like Amy Sedaris always catches me off because she's only in like that one scene of the and movie. she's not Amy Sedaris. Yeah, <laughs> I love yeah. it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, love Amy. Because yeah. talking about the um, the last scene, sorry, um, you were talking about how she goes and like that revenge scene mm-hmm. at the end. So the song that plays over it is uh, "Violet" by Hall, um, mm-hmm. which. Um, I, I wish they had actually played because the, the movie Jennifer's Body, that's also a song by Hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and um, oh. I, yes. So um, it's, which is again a, a, about literal violence um, against a woman's body, right? So, um, and, and, the, and it was, um, I, I know that at the time um, the, there was some controversy because apparently Diablo Cody didn't quite credit Kornilov. Uh, enough for oh. inspiring the title of the movie um, mm. but uh, but it, it was kind of weird that they didn't include the song Jennifer's Body but included Violet uh, which yeah. is from, from the same album but I mean thematically still makes sense so, so they're playing over the the revenge se- revenge sequence at the end um, yeah huh okay that is a fun <laughs> fact I know <laughs> I love this movie more and more every time I watch it. There's there's more stuff that I see in it that I missed the last time. So I'm I'm glad we got to talk about it today. Um any other moments or things we wanna we wanna discuss before we start wrapping up? Um I mean I would like us to talk about the uh the death by box cutter scene. That is, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. is crazy. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because it's like it is literally the yeah. apex of the entire film. Yeah, you're right, Trish. <laughs> it just, you know it just kind of is a little bow. It's a little bow on top yeah, of like yeah. all the queerness, <laughs> a, a rainbow bow on top of like yes. the, yeah. the, the layer of, uh, the, of queerness. Um, yeah. Anyway, so it was necessary. The death needed to happen. It was necessary. And I do love that it was Needy who did it herself. Yeah. Yeah. It but even it felt so like even the it even felt like it, it felt like a love like you could still feel the love even with her killing her. I don't mm. know. Like the slow-mo, the like the levitating off of the bed and then like the slow-mo coming down on each other and like looking into each other's eyes. I was like, God. It's yes. so gay. <laughs> It was it was incredibly. I mean, um, again, you you mentioned this before, Peyton, uh, when when uh, Jennifer makes one of her classic uh, remarks, uh, <laughs> like, uh, "Do you buy all your murder weapons at Home Depot? God, you're a butch." Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> of, of course, a very crass reference with a uh, box cutter, yeah. uh, right? Uh, but um, to me, it's like. Is exactly what what you said, Deb. It's like it, it almost feels like. Uh, of course, I'm I'm aware that it is problematic that it is so violent and whatever. But if we read it right as like uh, as as again, as a metaphor for their queerness and their relationship, it's like Jennifer's l- transformation into a, a, a monster uh, is it can be seen as like um, the sort of monstrosity that society associates with queer identity right we, mm-hmm. we've spoken about how the horror genre is very queer right and monsters are mm-hmm. often interpreted as having queer qualities or or being metaphors for the queer experience so needy needy's ultimate act of violence against uh, jennifer uh could be seen as a manifestation of her internalized homophobia and destroying the object of her desire is you know needy acting obviously out uh, out of uh, self-loathing, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But but you're right. There is even though there is that uh, self-hatred uh, there, um, it is all done, uh, you know, with the whole slow mo sequence, like you said. And the there's the, the Jennifer bites finally bites uh, uh, Needy's neck, but of course she clearly didn't intend it to be fatal. It was more like a like kind of like in the act of like whatever mm-hmm. weird lovemaking scene this was. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> so um, I think it does transcend that physical violence and it's more metaphorical than literal, especially because 
Jennifer uh, Needy doesn't actually cut Jennifer's box with the box cutter. Yeah. <laughs> she jams it into her heart. And so it's like getting her right into the core of like her vulnerability and, and, and their connection instead of reducing their whole relationship to it being purely sexual or physical. Mm-hmm. I also mm-hmm. think it's interesting because that it takes place in Jennifer's bedroom because the 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 film could have very easily just had her killer in the pool in the pool area with with Chip but like they made the conscious decision to have it be an intimate scene between the two of them in Jennifer's bedroom and I think that was obviously meaningful. Totally. Yes. Yeah. And Jennifer's flip and last words, my tits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my tits. And then needy, no, your heart. <laughs> because it is her heart. It is, yeah. it is, you know, that's why it's, why I said that it does transcend that physical violence and it's more about, you know, that vulnerability and the, and yeah. the depth of the depth of the connection between them. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Ugh, what a film. Thing. What a film. Honestly, I could I, I know we only had an hour, but I could talk about it for I should probably write an essay at this point. Um but yeah. <laughs> I would read it for sure. Yeah. Write the essay. My microphone. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much uh for bringing this. This was so fun to talk about. Um uh here on Queer Movie Night, we rate our films based on two uh different scales. One is the Vito Russo test, which is a media metric um, which examines queer representation in uh, media. Uh, it follows three rules. One, that the film have queer identifiable characters. Two, that the queer characters have personality traits other than being queer. And three, that removing the characters from this film, fr- queer characters from uh, the story would change the plot significantly. Um, I... I do think that the first one it's it's kind of tricky, but I I think from what we've discussed today and like from what we can tell like from the film, we can identify Needy and and Jennifer as queer characters in this film. I would say yeah. Yeah. And I and I would say in the the it definitely passes the uh the Vita Rosso test in, in my eyes for sure. Yeah. Trish, yes. do you agree? Hundred yeah. percent. um and then uh our our little homegrown uh rating scale which is a zero out of six scale um what should we what should we rate it on today box cutters box cutters cutters. yeah Yeah, i was gonna say that our rotisserie chickens barf yeah (laughs) no let's do box cutters (laughs) i think for me um i would give it a a five five out of six box cutters i I would give it a perfect score but it is a little bit dated um with some of the the slurs and stuff um and also um i don't know i i i do wish that needy and Jen- there w- it was just a little bit more explicit between Needy and Jennifer, just a little bit, but uh, a classic all the same and definitely will continue rewatching it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give it a 5.5. I'm just going to ding it that half for <laughs> the same reasons you just did, but yeah. mostly for like the language and like the stuff that yeah. doesn't age as well. Yeah. Um, but honestly, like it's explicit enough for me. Yeah. So that's my that's my like subjective rating for yeah. it because to me I'm like for 2009 wide release. Yeah. I'm good with it. <laughs> 100%. I agree. I think I would also give it a 5. Uh, I want to give it a 6 because I love it so mm-hmm. much. But, yeah, I feel uh, the same, uh, yeah. You can honestly, do a 5.5 like I did. <laughs> okay, I'll do it. I'll do a 5.5 <laughs> like that. Uh, but no, honestly, I feel that annoyingly it, it was still a product of its time mm-hmm. uh, i and i'm not talking i know we focused on the queerness uh i don't need it like you said deb i don't need it to be more uh, to me it's explicit enough i don't even need that kiss i appreciated it at the time i liked it um but i <laughs> I, I, I i didn't need it and i don't need it like uh everything yeah. else in the movie is is queer enough every single scene there's something queer in it that i can that i can see and can read into 
Um, of course, sometimes it's wishful thinking, but you know, <laughs> that's what we do. I <laughs> know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do. I do. I do think it's. I, I do think it's there. Uh, yes. I just. I just think the the only thing that when I'm talking about it being a product of its time, it's just. It's not very. The casting is not very. The cast is not very diverse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the 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 problematics in some of the language, some of the slurs uh, that are being thrown around. Even though I agree with what you said, Peyton, I don't think it's done uh, without um, intentionality in, in some mm-hmm. way, uh, in, in the way Cody writes. Uh, but yeah, I I agree. Five or 5.5 box cutters, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Thank you so much again, yes, Trish. Thank you, Trish. This. this was so fun. You. And you are welcome back anytime. We love talking with you. Mm-hmm. Um uh thank you to our listeners uh please like uh and subscribe and leave us a review um you can catch us on facebook instagram and twitter at queer movie night um you can follow me at peyton cody lynch on instagram and twitter uh and me deborah d bag on instagram and deborah duncan on twitter and uh we love you guys so much thank you for listening and we will see you uh in a couple weeks for another film Trish, do you want to plug anything? Oh, yeah. Do you want to? Oh, my God. No, I mean, if people want to like, I do write poetry. So I have a website. uh, I I am T. Pomer. So letter T and then my surname, Pomer, P-O-M-A-R. And I'm the same handle on Instagram. I am T. Pomer. But uh, but yeah, I mean, no need to plug. But Trish is so cool. Everybody should follow them. Absolutely. Definitely follow them. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Thank you you so much. Thank you for having me. We love you, too. Thank you. All right. All right. Thanks, listeners. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.